you know, I, th- I think that um, for the sake of trying to appeal to people, I was talking to a guy the other day, uh, for the sake of trying to have the gospel have an appealing representation to people, you want to you appeal to people in their the, the, the side that you want to draw them in. I mean, admittedly so, that when we talk about Jesus and the salvation that he offers and faith in Christ and, and how, I mean, we just, we want people to, to want that, right? I mean, so sometimes we dress it up a little bit. It's not intentional, I don't think, but over time we tend to dress it up a little more and then we dress it up a little more and uh, we don't necessarily give the full truth. We give a half truth, if you will. And you, you hear me talk about this a lot and it's something I'm very passionate about I don't like a half-truth. I think that um, sometimes that, that people do it with good intentions, but it's not really telling them what they need to know in order to be able to really embrace the gospel. You know, If it's a half-truth, then it's, it's not the full picture of what it means to, to actually follow Christ and, and, and to sacrifice everything in your life so that you might chase after him in the kingdom of God like a treasure hidden in a field. You go and sell everything that you got so you can go and buy that field and obtain that treasure, right? I think that when we tell people a half-truth, I think it, it, it kind of it confuses them because the world is also telling them a half-truth. And then we've got people presenting the gospel as a half-truth. And, and they're like, so what am I supposed to do? It, it, I mean, the, the, the Christian faith just looks a lot like the world. And that there's, you know, you hear some people telling the truth and some people not. And then the Christians seem to be conflicted on what the truth is. Now, I'm not talking about... Uh, minor things and everybody's got it as as men as women as people as human beings we all have got little differences about how we view scripture and little bitty tiny things that seem to be you know relatively insignificant in the whole big picture of God's word but the key things we should all be in agreement upon and 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 sometimes I think that there are some some very big things that we aren't in agreement upon as Christ followers and that really bothers me uh, the, this idea of a prosperity gospel that, that, like, Jesus is here to give you just everything your heart desires. I mean, like, and, and when I say that, um, I, there's a, quite a few things I should quantify about that. But, but this idea that, that, man, you know what? You're going to have health, wealth, and prosperity if you follow Jesus. And that is not true. And, and it is so disturbing and heartbreaking for me to see people portraying the gospel that way. And, and it's just not the truth. It's just not the truth. Uh, can I ask you a question real quick? And this is actually is invoking, uh, I want you to respond. I want you to, uh, the intention is to vo- invoke a response. When you see the cross of Jesus, and imagine, you can close your, your eyes if you want to for a second. You picture the cross of Jesus, and you see Jesus hanging there, and you see him, I mean, completely stripped. And I mean, he's, he's just completely uh, bloodied and, and he's been scourged and flesh is hanging off of him and he's barely recognizable as a man and the beard has been plucked from his face and the crown of thorns is on his head and blood is just pouring down and like when you, when you see that okay when you see that what are some, some things that you see in your mind what, what are some things that you think when you think about the cross of Christ what are some things that you think anybody okay not everybody all at one time <laughs> Everybody's afraid they're going to say something wrong. It's, it's the same. What's that? Sacrifice. Okay, great. Suffering. Okay. Anything else? Fulfilled. Love. Knew that one was coming. Him carrying. 
Yeah, so him carrying everything, basically, for us, right? Any other words pop into your mind when you think about the cross of Christ? What did you say? Hate. Hate. Now, there's an interesting one. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. Um, I think it's interesting that you said hate, because that's one thing we don't necessarily think about. A lot of times we think about the cross of Christ. We think about the sacrifice. We think about the love. We think about everything that he did for us, but we don't think about hate, the wrath of God. How many times have you heard a song saying recently about the wrath of God? How, how, many, how many songs have been put out recently do you hear uh, playing on the message on XM Radio about the wrath of God? Not many, right? You don't hear many about it. As a matter of fact, I was listening to the message this, this morning, and this is not to beat up on the message um, because I listen to that radio station. It's great, but, but the, the guy said on there, he said, just remember that God loves you no matter what. And I'm like, is that a whole truth? I think that there's, there's, you know, and we always say that God loves the person but hates the sinner, right? We always say that, and that is true. But, but I think that if you really look at Scripture, like what it really says, and we're going to look at Romans uh, chapter 1 here in just a second, beginning of verse 18. And, and, and if you look at this, man, you know, I, and I, I'm not saying, I'm just saying that when you look at the cross of Christ, you see two things. You see the love of God, and you see the wrath of God. Both at the same time, right? And I think that if we don't talk about the wrath of God, if we don't talk about that being a reality, then we're telling a half truth. If we don't talk about the fact that, that there is, is, is condemnation if you don't believe, then, then how can we talk about the fact that there is salvation for those that do? Case in point, all right? If, if you say... I mean, people have kids in here, right? So if you've got a kid that's back in the kids' department right now, raise your hand. Anybody that's got a kid back there? All right. So you say you love your kids, right? And, and you love them to death. Well, if somebody comes in with an assault rifle and just wipes out all those kids back there in the back, are you going to have anger inside of you? Is there going to be wrath inside of you? Is it going to be justified? It's going to be, Right? You have to understand that because God is truly righteous, He cannot look at evil and just say, it's all forgiven, it's okay, never mind, just, just forget about it. No, there has to be wrath. There has to be a righteous wrath on the flip side of that because He has to hate sin. He has to hate what is evil. He has to hate what is wrong if He is truly loving. You can't love without having the hate side of that. You can't love without hating what is wrong and what is evil. And you can't love without having the wrath. And I don't think that we always talk about that. I don't think that we always talk about the wrath of God. See, if I were to go to Keith and I say, Man, you have got a disease, Keith. You've got a terrible disease and hundreds of thousands of people die from that disease every year. When I tell you, but the good news is there's a cure. There's a treatment for what you've got. See, there's two sides of that, right? You, you have a true appreciation for that cure now, right? Because you understand the gravity of the disease and what it causes. There's always the two sides of it. And I, I think that when we say to people, 
God loves you no matter what, that's not really portraying the whole picture. It's portraying a half-truth. And I want you to look at that with me in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, now what is Paul saying here? He's saying, he's saying, God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You know, I think that it's important that we look at the word all here. Now, you know in my two truths and a lie, I said, I have never failed a test in school. Well, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> okay. I, I have failed tests in school, and I have especially failed tests in other places in my life because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person, it, you have failed that test. You have failed that test. And no matter how much you want to say that, that I am a good person, how much you want to say that, that, that I am not wicked, all of us are wicked, all of us are evil, all of us deserve the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. John MacArthur puts it this way. I was, I was listening to something he said, and he, he said this way. And I, I'm gonna, he, he used a different island, but he said it would be like the equivalent of us all saying, all right, let's go to Miami, and we're going to get a running start, and we're going to jump to Cuba. Now, how many of us are going to make it? Zero percent, right? Some of us are going to make it a little further than others, but we're all going to come up short, right? We're all not going to make it. We're all going to end up in the water somewhere. Some of us maybe with just our ankles wet, but we're all going to end up in the water somewhere, right? So when you see all here, you got to recognize that, that every person is sinful and wicked, it says, and they suppress the truth by their wickedness. And what is their wickedness? It's by their sin, by their rebellion against God. It's, it's contrary to, the, to God's design. It's contrary to His design because of our sin. It controls us, and we actually suppress the truth through our actions. Our actions cause us to suppress the truth. It says, look at verse 19, it says, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. So here we're going we're gonna to go in and we're going to kind of look for how God has revealed himself to every single person. The reality is, is that you know the truth because God has revealed himself to you. Let's look at what it says. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. There is something about God having revealed himself by everything that we see, everything in creation. As we look around us, we cannot deny that there is a God. And he has installed in us this knowledge and this understanding about what we are to be. And the truth is really inherent to us in a lot of ways. We know what is wrong, right? We know ultimately that it is wrong to take another person's life. We know that it is ultimately wrong to rape a person. We know that it is ultimately wrong to, to steal from other people. We know that these things are wrong. Why? Because that standard comes from God. That standard comes from God. And how do we suppress the truth? It's by our wickedness, our sinful deeds, our actions. Because of the way we behave, that is us suppressing the truth. And I think sometimes um, we don't pause long enough 
to recognize the gravity of our actions, our wickedness, who we are really. When you take away how you act here in church, when you take away how you act, you know, when you're around other believers, when it's just you by yourself thinking about who you are and what you've done and, and the thoughts that you have and the things that race through your mind. And if you think about, man, do all of my thoughts that I have, do they all glorify God? It's easy to have positive God-glorifying thoughts while you're here listening to worship songs and, and raising your hands and all of that and, and listening to God's Word. I mean, like it's easy to have godly thoughts at that point in time. But what about later on? What about tonight or tomorrow night or tomorrow during the day? Are your thoughts going to glorify God? If you really want to consider your wickedness, all you have to do is, is take a snapshot of your brain. Just take a look at it throughout a given day and thought, how many wicked thoughts have I really had today? And then you get a real picture for, man, that fleshly nature that I have, that person that I really am, man, that is pretty wicked. That is pretty wicked. God has revealed himself to us, yet we continually rebel against God. He goes on, he, he goes, he goes on even further. He says, yes, they, they knew God but wouldn't worship him as God and, or even give him thanks. So there's no acknowledgement of God and who he is. Therefore, they knew about him, but they didn't know him. They didn't acknowledge who he was. And they, I, I think that part of this is, is the fact that they didn't acknowledge the fact that if he is a righteous judge, if he does have to judge, judge the, the, the world because of its evilness, if he did... I mean, when you look at the Old Testament... And you look at places like Sodom and Gomorrah where, where God's judgment just fell from the sky. Uh, or the Egyptians, when you think about the plagues, it just ravaged them. When you talk about God's judgment, I mean, like, you see it over and over again. When you see God's wrath over and over again in the Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament as well. You, you, you see it in the New Testament as well. Ananias and Sapphira, for example, who lied to the Holy Spirit, right, fell dead instantly right there at the altar in front of Peter, like, Gone. And then where do you see the ultimate picture of God's wrath? In Jesus Christ. It's this picture of God's wrath poured out on his son. Now that doesn't compute to us in our earthly minds. It's hard for us to rationalize. You know, I have sinned against God. Therefore, in order to fix that, if you will, to... Uh, make amends for that, God said, what I will do is take all the wrath that they deserve and I will pour it, out, pour it out on my son. It doesn't compute in our earthly minds how that would even make sense to do that. Like if Keith goes and steals something for me to go and beat up on my daughter, it does, that doesn't make sense for us to, to do something like that. But the evil has to be dealt with. God's wrath has to be satisfied. So the way that he did it, in order for us to be able to have communion with him, a relationship with him, forever eternity with him, is by pour, taking that wrath and pointing it at his son who was perfectly righteous, who never did anything wrong. We look around and we see the presence of God everywhere we look. And we still continually rebel against him. And all you have to do is take a snapshot of your thoughts and you can see how rebellious your thoughts are. Therefore, how rebellious your flesh is. It says they would not worship him or even give him thanks. And they begin to think themselves, their foolish ideas of what God was like. So this is what happens, right? So when you fail to acknowledge God, you know what you do? You end up making up your own God. 
You begin to think, you know what, I'm smart enough, I've got this whole thing together. And you begin to, to make up a God who suits your fancy, who suits what you think, which, you know what, the, the God that we make up, you know what he, one thing he always has in common? He always, the God that the human beings make up, always is one that says that whatever we've done is okay. We want one that says that, you know what, it's, it's all right. It's all right. We want to justify ourselves, and, 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 and we just we go and we say, you know what? The God that I worship says this is okay. You see this? Um, I, don't, I don't know what it is about cults, but, man, it's like every time you see a cult, you see, like, I, I'm talking about some crazy cults out there, of course, the David Koresh's of the world. One of the first things they say is, you know what? It's okay for all of your wives in the cult to become my wife. Um, God says that's okay. You know, and I'm like, I don't see that anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you get that, and I don't know how everybody in the cult goes, yeah, that's a good idea. All the husbands are like, yeah, you can have her. She's yours too now. Like, it's always like the God that they invent, that they worship, is one that's going to satisfy their their desires. They're going to justify their ways, their sin, their rebellion against God. They make up a God where that's okay. They make up a God where that's okay. And he says, they consider themselves wise, but indeed, they are foolish. They think of... Foolish ideas of what God is like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And, what he, you know, and Paul's looking around, man. He's looking at Rome, and he's looking at all these idols that have been made. And it's like they're making all this stuff up. In an attempt to have something to worship. In an attempt to, to have a God to worship. Instead of embracing the truth. And embracing the God as he has revealed himself to all of us. They began to make up other gods. Because their sinful nature that was dark. And in darkness. They wanted to satisfy that nature. As opposed to looking at truth. And this is what we find. So that when I talk about this prosperity gospel that goes around and. Now they say, you know what, if you want health and wealth and prosperity, all you got to do is believe in Jesus. And I was talking to this friend of mine, I was like, why, why do people do that? I mean, the people will flock to these, these ideas, man. It's because they don't want to believe for a second that, you know what, being a Christian is hard. Being a Christ follower is difficult. It's going to cause you to make some sacrifices that you don't even want to make. It's, you're going to make some decisions that a lot of people are going to think are crazy as a result of being a Christian. There's going to be some things that you do that are going to seem outlandish to other people and you're not going to fit in with a lot of people that you used to fit in with. And they go, man, I don't know if I'm in on this whole Christian idea. You mean if I become a Christian, there's a good chance that people are going to hate me because they hated Jesus? Yeah, as a matter of fact, he says that. So what do we do? We dress it up for him, put a nice bow on it. Say, you know what? You want heaven? Jesus is what you need. You want streets of gold? Jesus is what you need. You, 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 you want gates of pearl and, 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 and you want to you wanna be there and hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus, man, that's what you need. They don't tell them the whole truth. People are going to hate you. You're going to have to make some sacrifices in your life. Some things that you love now, you're going to have to hate. Some things that, that, that are close to you now, you're probably going to have to give them up. You're going to have to make some new friends. And some of those friends are going to be weird, right? They're going to be weird. 
this half-truth. We dress it up because we want God to look like what we want him to look like. So we, we invent a God that fits that mold as opposed to looking at truth. And that's why here at Simple Church, one of the things that I, I'm so adamant about is us really just taking a passage of Scripture and just going through it and showing this is what God has said. Let's embrace the truth. Let's not try to spin it or, or mix it up. Let's just take it the way it says and let's do our best to understand what Scripture says in light of Scripture and let's just do our best to do what God has said here. So we don't become fools, like it says in verse 22. It says, instead of worshiping the glorious everlasting God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. You understand that if you invent your version of God and you don't stick to this truth, when you lift your hands and worship in here, you're not worshiping the one true God. You're worshiping a God that you have invented. If you are not convicted about who you are and the things that you think and the way that your sin and your life rebels against God constantly and your desperate need for a Savior, then when you raise your hands and you worship, you're worshiping something other than the one true God. You're worshiping a God that you have invented in your own minds. And instead of being wise, you are being foolish. You are being foolish. Uh, I kind of like this, that Paul throws this in here. Verse 24 says, God abandoned them to do whatever their shameful things their hearts desired. Now, now you look at this, and you don't like the word abandon them, right? So it kind of bothers you that it says God abandoned them. He, he just said, you, you know how we, we talked about Jesus giving you whatever your heart desires? Jesus said, this is what your heart desires. Have it. Have it. You, you want the darkness, you want the things that your flesh desires, have it. It's yours. Yours for the taking. I'm not going to make you love me. I'm not going to make you desire the things of God. I'm just going to say, this is what you want so desperately, you can have it. That's what the Pharisees did. And then he sent them all to hell. This, this is what you want. You, you can have it. It's not so much that he abandoned them. And I know that that's what the word says, and I got that. But he just let them. He wasn't pulling away from them. They were pulling away from him. So he just let them go. He said, all right. This is what your heart desires. You, you can have it. So he turned them over said, okay, that's what you want. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. That's, that's what the whole message is about. They treated the truth about God for a lie. So they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. The thing about true love it can't be forced upon you. You can't make somebody love you. There's no potion that you can give that they fall in love with you. True love has to come from that person. And, and true love for God means that you have to hate the things that God hates. True love means that you have to embrace the fact that the wrath of God is something real. True love means that, that you embrace the salvation that he offers because you understand the punishment 
for what it means to rebel against God and the fact that we are all naturally that way. God sent not his son to condemn the world, but the world was condemned already. God sent Jesus to rescue us from the fact that we're already condemned. People don't really like to think about the fact that their ways, who they are naturally, is one that is deserving of wrath. They don't like to think about the fact that the way that they are, apart from Jesus, is deserving of hell. And when you talk about hell and you talk about the wrath of God, it freaks a lot of people out. And then they, they, they did like, you go, well, they're never going to come to Jesus. They're never going to surrender to Jesus with me starting out by talking about the wrath of God and, and the fire of hell. They're never going to do that. But you don't want them embracing a half-truth. Because when you embrace a half-truth, they're going to invent a God that they want to satisfy their own minds. And that's the God they're going to be worshiping instead of worshiping the one true God that is worthy of our eternal praise and worship. So how does this apply to us? How, how do you bring this in? So, All right, Kenny, I hear you. I understand the gospel. I understand the wrath of God. I understand what we're deserving of. For us, for me, it means worship. It means worship. When we talk about singing Amazing Grace, it really is amazing. And it humbles me. And it brings me to my face. It, it brings me to my knees before God. Say, you are the treatment to my cancer. You are the remedy to the disease that I have. There is no way I can do it on my own. No matter how far I jump, no matter how hard I jump, I'm never going to make it to Cuba. I'm never going to make it to your righteousness. I can't do it on my own. I'm always going to fall short. Therefore, when I recognize that, and I recognize the wickedness of who I am, it makes me all the more thankful and all the more worshipful of the one true God who is worthy of our praise. So today, maybe we just need to worship Him. If you don't know Him, if you don't have a relationship with Him, you need to come to Him. You need to acknowledge Him for who He is. And you can do that by starting out with understanding the wrath of God and what you deserve. I don't want to sell you a half-truth. I want to tell you that everything's going to be great if you follow Christ. I want you to know the truth, that it's going to be hard. It's absolutely going to be worth it. And His grace really is amazing considering who I am and what I deserve. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this precious word, this truth that you have given us. Lord, I pray that we would never take it lightly. I pray that we just do everything that we can to understand even with our feeble minds, our earthly minds, God, I know we cannot even begin to grasp just, just the smallest details about who you are, God, but you have simplified your word in a way, you have brought your word to us in a way that, God, we can, we can understand the, the things that we are supposed to do, the things that, that we can do, and, and the thing that we can do is we can just come to you and ask. God, the, the, even salvation doesn't make sense to us in our feeble minds. We can't grasp that, how you would sacrifice your son, that you would pour your whole wrath out on him in order that we might be saved. God, it doesn't compute in our feeble brains. God, but what, do, what does compute in our minds is that you have revealed yourself and who you are in all of creation. So, Lord, we don't want to worship creation. We want to worship the creator. 
So right now, Lord Jesus, I just pray that we would humble ourselves and fall down on our face before you. Acknowledge who you are, who you really are, according to this word. God, and we come to you in humility and just praise you and worship you. For those of you that don't know you, I pray that they recognize the gravity of their sin and their rebelliousness against you. God, and the fact that they are deserving of your wrath, that because you are truly good, God, that the evil just can't be dismissed. It, it, it has to be punished. And you did that through your son, Jesus Christ. And now they can be recipients of that if they would just believe, put their true faith in you and what you have done for them. God, I just pray that the reality of this truth, God, would set deep in our hearts. Our eyes might be open, our hearts might be stirred. God, that you just work through this right now, God, that you would just work through this. You'd stir us and move us. God, your Holy Spirit would let this word sink deep into our hearts. God, we need you. God, I pray that you're glorified now. As we respond to you and as we praise you and worship you, I pray that you're glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stand.